Satine, who was Obi-Wan's wannabe girlfriend, like they were having a thing, though the, you don't know that it was ever officially they had a thing. But yeah, he had a crush. He was he was simping. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Welcome to the What's Up Ready Podcast, where we fashion ourselves television judge and jury. My name is JJ Cutter. I'm here with my co-host, Matson Heiner. Better red than dead. And Alec Burgess. Let's get it. We appreciate you tuning in, watching us live. Go ahead, hit that follow, subscribe, bell notification button. Hit all those buttons. Uh, help you keep up with all of our episodes, lives, or otherwise. Um, he, the... The smoothie is back. Um, as always, don't forget to tell a friend about us. Uh, tell a cousin about us. Maybe an auntie and an uncle. We appreciate their listening, too. So um, we're here as advertised to talk about The Mandalorian, Chapter 21, The Pirate. Um, sadly, I missed out on uh, last week's episode, so I'm, I'm glad to be here for this one. We're glad you're here as well. We need your Star Wars knowledge. <laughs> Can't really do these without you. I'm not cool enough to talk Star Wars nerd. Well, I got you covered. I got you covered. This one was a good one. There's some big uh big Easter eggs on this deal for sure. And I wouldn't know them unless you were here, so thank goodness again. Yeah. Um some fun ones. We'll just get a couple of them out of the way. Uh, all of the directors, well, three of the directors show up in this episode, um, like the consistent directors. So we had Dave Filoni in the bar on the with the, like the new Republic pilot guy. Um, he was the one in the hat that all you really saw was the back of his head, his uh, trusty hat. <laughs> and then you had uh, I can't think of the other two director's names off the top of my head but um yeah there were two of the directors that were sitting next to him at the bar oh i didn't know that that's fun fumiyami was one of them uh and then chow i can't remember her first name but yeah those three are yeah floney's big producer he's directed some episodes and then those two have directed an ep- at least one episode every season um so that was cool and then there was the big Easter egg, the big reveal of another Rebels character. Zeb. Live. Zeb. That one. Guy's my favorite. Uh, the big CGI guy that the cat that the pilot was talking to. That's that's Zeb, and I cannot remember Orielis or whatever. Anyway, he's cool. He was a big, big character in Rebels. Probably a fan favorite. And he was actually excuse me, in this voiced by the same guy that voiced him in the show, uh, Steve Bloom, prolific voice actor. So it was cool that I got, I could have just had that at that scene and I would have been happy with the episode, but instead we got hmm. a pretty, uh, pretty action packed scene or episode actually. Um, yeah, I liked it. I liked the whole revisit of, it was very, uh, the the Mandalorians got their their I don't know how to explain this, but like the orbital bombardment is what happened to Mandalore. 
So we see that small on a small scale, the orbital bombardment happening to Navarro, and here come the the uh, Mandalorians to the rescue, which was dope. Yeah, it was. It was way cool. But it seemed like they all needed basic military training, <laughs> which doesn't seem right since there's a few of them that were like, oh, yeah, you know, I've been to Mandalore or this or that. You know, not all of them are foundlings. Yeah. You think they would have covered this a little bit, the basics at least. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting I think it leans in well to the overall concept of the end of the episode, right, where it's obvious that the Mandalorians are dangerous in a group, right? But they're more dangerous, I find, in amongst them individually, right? Like, so every time we see them fighting individually or a small group, they're even more dangerous than when all of them are out there. And I, to to your point, it's obvious that they they aren't very schooled in group tactics or warfare tactics, like military. They're they're very good at hand to hand combat, close quarter stuff. Not so much with strategery. <laughs> Which, Which is a fair point. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think that's another thing that, you know, if you're talking about the armor, and I still think there's something far deeper level going on with the armor, but I mean, she obviously is well aware that Bo-Katan, for all of her whatever, is a great military tactician, great leader, um, and you know, she's obviously taking advantage of the fact that she's having like a spiritual, cultural, whatever crisis and trying to figure out who she is. And so she's taking full advantage of that, but, um, yeah, which I'm okay with too. Like, I like the idea of Bo-Katan ruling Mandalore. Cause it's obvious Din Djarin doesn't want anything to do with that shit. <laughs> uh, he'd be terrible. Yeah. Yeah, the Mandalorians are they're solo peeps. They fight alone. They're not really good in groups. Yeah. They're 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 testy little efforts, but that whole uh uh democratic sit- session they had holding the forge tool or whatever and just the this is the way and the crumbing was just like, yeah, this is the way. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, especially when uh old Visla came out and was like you think he's going to shit all over the, you know, the request. And he's like, let's do it. <laughs> like, yeah, get him. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, it was interesting. I, I, the one thing I'm not, I still am not a fan of, and I haven't been a fan of is the fact that, that we keep going back to Coruscant and there's like this bigger story. I, I don't know. I, I get it. And I think it's cool. And I'm excited for the other shows. I'm sad that they got rid of, especially now that we're seeing more of them. I'm sad that they've canceled at the least for now, the, the show that was going to be about this X-Wing crew that we saw that Zeb's part of. And this cat, like that whole group was going to be a whole show of its own, but got nixed. And so that makes me sad, but I feel like, and again, this is all Thrawn, man. Like this is, there's no way that this whole thing isn't Thrawn. Like now that we know that Gideon's Gideon's been sprung from captivity and there's conveniently a piece of Beskar armor on that ship. Come on, man. 
Uh, it seems like a thrawn thing to do. Yeah, a little misdirection. Blame people that have never been on the Empire or Republic side. Uh, yeah. Well, I like took easy... it to be that it was like Bo-Katan's Night Owls that Thrawn hired as mercs. And that, you know, that crossed my mind, too. Like, that was my first thought was, oh, it's it's or it's the remnant that was left from Maul because part of his night, uh, his night's watch, like, were still intact. And I can't remember his general. He had a general that um, she very well could have been like she was still alive at the end of the last that extra season of the the clone wars. And so I could see them being hired by him as well. But then I started thinking about it and I was like, that would be to to Matt's point. I was like, that would be a very Thrawn thing to do because the Republic is kind of warming up. At least this group of the Republic is warming up to the Mandalorians. They're getting settled. Everyone knows how dangerous the Mandalorians can be. If they were able to get all of their groups that are militarily sound back together, which of course the armor is after that as well. Um, and so I think to me, like that would make sense that they're trying to sow discord with getting the Mandalorians on the outskirts. Cause he would have been around when even the, the emperor was like, we can't have these Mandalorians pissed at us. Like we, these, they got to go. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, Thrawn would know how dangerous they can be if reunited. So I, I don't know, but I, it could be. I thought the Night Owls, and then I thought the Night's Night Watch, and I thought, yeah. So I mean, there's, there's a lot of different clans that are out there that we haven't even heard from or seen from since Rebels and and uh, Clone Wars, and even then there were ones beyond that. So there's a lot that it could be for sure. But yeah. I think, I don't know, I'm so, okay, so there is another Kree's out there in some way, shape, or form. I don't know if you remember, Alec, but in the animated show, Satine, who was Obi-Wan's wannabe girlfriend, like, they were having a thing, though you don't know that it was ever officially they had a thing, but, yeah, he had a crush. He was, he was simping. Anyway, um, (laughs) There in the in the anime, I think it was in Rebels when we go back to Mandalore with Sabine Wren. There was and Bo Katan's there. There was uh, a kid, Cor Corby Cordy. Yeah, um, yeah. weird that called her auntie, right? That called her his aunt. And so I have like this twisted. There, there's either another. Crees that we don't know about, right? Or that's not, or I'm wondering if Obi-Wan had some sort of little flingy fling fling and Satine oh. had a baby and that was the baby. That would be dope. Or there's a third Crees, Crees, and that could, in my, I'm wondering if maybe the armor is oldest Crees in disguise. I mean, who knows, right? Like, but I always feel like the armor knows more about Bo-Katan than makes me comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've just, yeah, I've got some weird thoughts around. I think that was, and then the fact that she had her take her helmet off and made it okay. That it, that, you know, she's 
straddling both sides of this whole thing. And yeah, it was an interesting, I was more interested in that than the rest of the episode, if I'm being honest, but I thought they both were going to take their helmets off for a second. I was like, why are you, why are you having her do this? Like, what's the point? Uh, well, cause if she goes the, and it's because the watch, these children of the watch have such a bad reputation that if she goes with her helmet on and is like, this is the way and all that horse shit, Mm-hmm. the other clans aren't going to come back because they've always been shit on since they were knights, the Night's Watch or Night's Night Watch or whatever with the original Visla and Bo-Katan as part of that group. So they weren't highly looked at. They caused the civil war to a certain degree and they, you know, so it wasn't, they're not highly looked at from the other clans. So for her to unite everyone that she has to be able to do that. So I thought that was very clever the way that, like I said, the unite us, unite the clans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hopefully but, we don't have a Scottish Lord with a father who has leprosy that freaking turns on him. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. I mean, I feel like, though, if that's kind of your plan, there's a real easy way to go about it. Give her the dark saber. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... Eventually, I think she ends up with it again. But that's one of my concerns is, is do we have to have some big fight between the two of them for that to change hands? It just doesn't make sense to me that the only reason that covert is still really around in any shape, way, shape or form is because of Din Djarin and her. Why would you pit them against each other when he doesn't even want to lead? Like, just give it to her. Yeah. Say that they fought. Who gives a shit? Like. If you're going to set, but I think that also has to do with the, the mythosaur. Like if they can use this mythosaur legend around making her the leader versus needing the dark saber, because just because you have the dark saber means you can claim the throne. Doesn't mean you have to. So he could still own it. Maybe be a protector or something like that. I don't know, but I will say that my only concern with this episode is that it feels it feels like they're getting away from the Mandalorian and looking at these. It almost feels like I don't know if you guys ever watched the WB shows like the DC superhero on the WB stuff like they did like Flash and they did Arrow and they did uh, Legends of the whatever i don't know what the fuck they were but there was a couple of them and when the arrow was good and flash was pretty good but then they started doing these big uh crossover events and they got so big and it was cool the first time but then they started like all of these shows episodes would start to lean into this whole thing early on that's what it feels like and i know that there's still crossover things that they've said are going to happen with these shows, but I feel like they're kind of losing sight of what made this show so cool. And that was that it was separate from the big universe and I'm okay with some tie-ins, but when I start to feel like at least two of these episodes have been more interesting or have been not interesting because they're so separate from the Mandalorian, it makes me worry. I think it was Charles in one of his things in a couple episodes ago when he had the Coruscant episode and we were talking shit on it. He's like, has Mandalorian finally jumped the shark? And I, it's possible. We may have, we may have started to see that moment. Maybe instead of jumping the shark, it'll become swimming with a mythosaur. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Has this show swum with its midasaur yet? No, I don't know. Much. But I enjoyed the episode. I had fun. It was good. I liked the battles. I liked the... I love the dog fights this season. Like, what we've seen of them have been really cool, even though one was interrupted by a very unnecessary visit to Coruscant for the rest of the episode. But the dog fighting has been cool. Which, again, makes me sad we're not getting Rangers of the New Republic because it would have been a lot of that. Anyway, sorry, Matt, did I cut you off, buddy? I was going to agree with you. They've done a very good job of the, like, star battles better than I think I've seen in Star Wars before, and I would love to see more of it. Yeah. I like, too, that they set up the Mandalorians to be on Navarro permanently and openly, like, I mean, that's quite the the combination of two very strategic thought processes, right? Like now the Mandalorians are out in the open. Everybody's going to know that they're there. And Grief Karga gets to go, come on, come dance with uh, Navarro. Let's, uh, I got a built-in army, you pricks. <laughs> <laughs> and not one you want to mess with. Two of them took down a whole Corsair. <laughs> so... Yeah, I guess is my final thought. I I feel like the pirate king was kind of wasted. Yeah, that in and out real fast. Yeah, and I, the guy that the vein that he got away, I was like, really? Whatever. I don't know. He'll come back later, I'm sure. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, but I was like, make the pirate king skip out, like. <laughs> That would have been cooler if the giant tree had come back versus <laughs> some weird dude that was like, I'm you're not gonna get away this time, Mando. And then he <laughs> proceeded to get away. Yeah. How how sitcom of you, JJ? Yeah, I know, right? It's, it's a little weird, but it was funny, I guess. I'm trying to think of Maul's uh her his general or her his lieutenant, because that's the other one. Cause I don't know if you've noticed. But uh, the helmet that the armor wears sure has some mall-looking horns on the top. And I don't think I ever noticed that until this episode as I was trying to figure out, like, what is her angle? And then I went, ooh, dude, when in in the final episodes of like season seven of Clone Wars, when they brought it back in on Disney Plus and they did that final season, then they went to Mandalore and they were fighting Maul. He had this whole the, his the watch was like all of their helmets had like the Zabrak style spikes on them. And then I keep seeing the her helmet this episode going ooh how did I not notice that before <laughs> how did I not see that that has some death watch implications there um yeah anyway it, again things that I could never call out yeah it was uh so I was wondering if maybe I could see it being her Maybe the Rook Cast is her name. Um, I'm wondering if the armor is Rook Cast because of, like I said, that 
very subtle and it looked just like an aesthetic thing but i was like son of a bitch (laughs) maybe that's what that is so anyway that was kind of my last final uh theorizing for what might be to come but i think there's a lot of weird intrigue happening between what's going on with the with Gideon and what's going on with how they're positioning the the Mandalorians and now with what's going on with the armor because is even though she's like supposed to be a good guy and we kind of root for her because she is a badass. I something just and something for me has always felt a little shady about the armor, but and that would fit if it was Rook. Anyway. Any other thoughts before we wrap up this episode? No, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was a fun watch. The last two have been my favorite kind of going forward since we've seen Mandalorian. I'm excited to see where they go. I just hope that, you know, once again, we don't see that jump in the shark moment (laughs) because that would be unfortunate. (laughs) Yeah, it would. It certainly, certainly would. All right. Well, if that's it, it is now to our time where I turn it over to Alec to tell everybody where they can find us. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us live for the Mandalorian season three, episode five, or after the fact, if you can't be bothered to tune in live, uh, this show continues to impress. And it looks like we might gear and be gearing up for another impressive finale, which I am here for. Uh, thanks to everyone tuning in. If you enjoyed the episode, drop us a like or a comment as it's the greatest way to help us grow the channel uh if you are enjoying the content that we are putting out we have more lots lots more uh you can find it wherever good podcasts are found including apple Podcasts, stitcher or ghana uh and guys we are on patreon so if you find yourself liking our content so much that you want even more than there is currently we do have some patreon exclusives available where if you donate to the patreon you can actually donate to making matson normal (laughs) We'll let you know how that one goes. <laughs> Special thanks to our current patron, the real Jin Shady. You are the greatest. And with that, I will send it back to the Prince of Pounders, the Colossus of Clout, JJ. I love it. I think he might have changed his name again. Oh, my God. I was going to say. Son so of I a bitch, like, he did. I feel like he would have changed it. It's great, actually. It's Tucker and Dale versus the Ginge. so there it is but it's a mouthful again just for you alec (laughs) i feel like i'd win that one you guys are very smart no because you'd end up tripping and falling into like a freaking hedge trimmer or something (laughs) (laughs) face planting it on a mouse trap or something poke your eye out um yeah anyway thanks alec i always enjoy those sign offs and uh as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. Whoa. Wait. I still love you, baby. Cinematic out.